This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Indoors or out, fall, winter, spring, and summer, whenever you garden, wherever you garden, this is the show that covers it all. The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And I'm your sous chef, Frank Proctor. Hello there. Well, we're on the air. And uh, here we are on a Saturday morning. Uh, uh, the penultimate day, Santa arrives tomorrow in town. Oh, yeah. there he does. You're right. And that voice belongs to Charlie Dobbin, yes. And Frank, have you got your Christmas list together? Uh, well, I've got one <laughs> one, one gift I- uh, idea oh. so far. Oh, I didn't. Oh, yeah. for yourself, I'm most talking about your list. For oh, Santa. oh, 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 my list. Yeah. Oh, it's much too long to bring in. I actually got a roll of toilet paper, and I've written everything down. So it, it, I've almost done the complete roll, okay. and I, I, I actually put it over the top, uh, you know, as oh, opposed perfect. to against good the wall. Very yeah. <laughs> hey, good morning, Charlie. Golly, here we are on the Garden Show for this, uh, what is it, 20th already, already? right? Already. Uh, and I better give the phone numbers sure. right off the bat, just in case there are new listeners out there, and welcome to AM740 and the Garden Show, 416-360-0740. Anywhere else in the province, it's one 866 740 4740, and we pick up the, the charge there. Mm-hmm. We, as in Moses. <laughs> That's right, and thank you. Thank you, uh, our founder, we for doing that. that. Yeah. Um, okay, and so there's that. Um, I don't have a ton of announcements, but the one thing I do have is if you are interested in joining your local horticultural society and you don't currently belong and you don't know when they meet or where they yeah. meet, it's so easy to find out. They have a great and they're friendly, welcoming people, oh, too. Oh, gosh, I mean, are they, they ever? Yeah. Friend, I mean, gardeners are the friendliest people. I have said that for a long time, and it, as you know, it's completely true. I well, mean, I know. I, I can't stand her friendliness so much. It's just... <laughs> there it is. <laughs> we outdo each other with our friendliness. No, but truly, gardeners, you can't get away from them sometimes. They are so friendly. I've, I've had situations where, you know, I slow down, I admire somebody's garden as I'm walking along, and three hours later, I'm You're still talking about the, the peonies, yeah. Exactly. Up in their, you know, bathroom checking out the ferns. It's just like crazy. You know, people, they don't let you go. So, But for people that are interested in, like I say, joining and learning more about their local Hort Society, yeah. very easy website. It's obviously www. And then it's Garden Ontario, one word, GardenOntario.org. And from there, you know, every society all over Ontario is listed alphabetically. You just click on it, and there's information about when and where they meet and what's going on and what's their vision, what they work on. Because all Hort Societies have different sort of things that are important to them that they put their energy into. So there's that. And one more thing I have to share with you. Yes. Uh, Okay, so... Is this very personal? I mean... It's a bit personal, and it's really got nothing to do with gardening, but I thought I wanted to share (laughs) it anyway. Oh, good. Okay. (laughs) Since I know you always like it when we get off track. (laughs) The... um, uh, my family doesn't do a lot together as a family anymore because my kids are pretty grown up, right? Mm-hmm. My son is off at university. But last night was the opening night of Harry Potter. 
Uh-huh. Okay, now we're, yeah. we are a Harry Potter family. My kids are the per- are Harry Potter's age, right? <laughs> they grew up with Harry Potter. Yeah, they yeah. Read the books and watched the movie. So you know, when they were ten, he was ten, and now he's seventeen or eighteen in the movie. And my son is actually eighteen. So it's just really cute. So sure enough, you know, my son's calling me from university, going, "Mom." We're going to the movie, yeah, yeah, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. Like opening night, we have to go. It's a tradition. And I oh. said, oh, I'll speak to the rest of the family, see if they're <laughs> available. Well, we got it all together, and we all went as a family to see Harry Potter last night. And boy, is it a great movie! Is that right, huh? It's not for little kids, though. You definitely want to be eighteen or older, right? Uh, yeah. It's way too—I'd say way too scary for well, little. Well, isn't kids. that funny? Di and I, speaking of movies, we haven't been to a movie in about eight months, I guess. Mm. And we went last Thursday to uh, catch a, a, a early afternoon mm. show uh, of Morning Glory. And we were we were watching the kids line up for the midnight show, or I, I guess oh, they opened at midnight. That's, yes, exactly. Thursday night, yeah. midnight, or Friday morning. And it was amazing. But hey, see Morning Glory. I'll tell you more it's about that later. Idea. I don't want to well, steal any more of your time. See Harry Potter. It's re- no, okay. All right. <laughs> now the movie review. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this is the Garden Show, isn't it? Yes. But that was Morning Glory is good because yeah. Morning Glory, as you know, is a lovely plant. Many mm-hmm. people love. Harry Potter's got nothing to do with gardening. So... <laughs> But it's a very active movie, which does make a nice segue into staying active because if we want to be in our gardens and we want to be getting to the movies, we want to be shoveling snow pretty soon. Remember, we got to keep those joints moving. And the best way to keep your joints moving is use some, if, if they're not moving well, consider a good lubricant. And one good one is called Sierra Sill, just like the mountains, Sierra, Sierra Sill. Sill, S-I-L at the end. Very simple website, obviously, sierrasill.ca. Or you can call them. They have a great, uh, great people standing by, answer any of your questions, and talk to you about the product. It's an all-natural mineral supplement. You so are so smooth. One eight seven seven joint fourteen. Uh, we get a thumbs. You got a thumbs up there from Grace, our producer. Just yes, what a nice segui, right? <laughs> <laughs> Terrific. Okay, here we are at nine eleven. Set to take your phone calls as mentioned, and we'll be back to uh, say hi to Margaret and Hamilton in just a couple of moments. Getting to the root of a growing dilemma. This is the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And just before we uh, get to our first caller, I want to say a big uh, shout-out to Grace, our producer. This is her last show uh, here at uh, AM740. She's going on to you know, bigger things. And she sure is. Yeah, she's actually she's, going to another radio station. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, it's in the bigger. corporate offices, That's as right. it were. That's so it's not a com- you know complete competition thing. But uh, no, uh, when you call folks, say hi to Grace and wish her well. That's right. Okay? And send, we want to send, of course, before we say goodbye at the end of the show, lots yeah. of hugs and best wishes. Well, I thought I'd get it out now because I cry easily. And I oh, thought I'd okay. give me time to, you know, I thought get it was because you were afraid you were going to forget. No. <laughs> oh, you devil <laughs> you. No. Yes. Okay. Is it up to me? I yes. have to see who this is. It's Margaret. It's, it's Margaret calling in from Hamilton. You're absolutely correct. Hey, Margaret, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Morning. Good morning. What's your question? I wanted to ask Dobby, uh, Do- uh, yeah, Charlie, if I had put my canna lilies uh, to bed for the winter properly. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I have uh, I would dried them out for a couple of weeks mm-hmm. and... Then I layered them in peat moss, and now I'm going to put them in a fairly cool room until spring. Now, is that right or wrong? Perfect. No, perfect. Absolutely. It has all kinds of different, well, I, don't call, I don't think you call them buds on a... a there are. They're little, you see little bumps all over the oh roots. Oh, yeah, there's four or five in each one. Perfect. And you cut all the foliage away. 
Yes. The leaves and stems. And like you said, you dried them out for 10 days, two weeks or so, because that's oh, the yes, idea. Is you, you ripen them above ground, just in a, in a dry spot. Uh, carefully shake, or, or not so much shake, but rub the dirt off the, uh, the soil, off the, the actual yes, I did that. bulbs and tubers, etc. Great. And then peat moss is good because peat moss is sterile and clean. And by layering those in under the peat moss, they'll be in the dark, and then you'll put them in the cool, and they'll stay perfectly happy till you're ready to wake them up in spring. Gee, Margaret, it sounds like you've done everything absolutely correctly here. Gee, yeah, for a change. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be our go-to lady for storing calla lilies. Okay, <laughs> <Sorry>. thank you. <laughs> thanks, thanks for joining the show this morning. This is AM740, Charlie Dobbin on the air. I'm Frank Proctor, the sous chef of the garden. And on we go to Waterloo and say good morning to Kate. Hi, Kate, how are you doing? Very good, thank you. And thanks for taking my call. Morning, Kate. Hello, Charlie. Hi there. Love your show. Thanks. Okay, um, this past uh, summer, we put in a new lawn. Uh, it's a newer house, but we found that there were lots and lots of weeds um, in the lawn. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of, uh, the soil is clay, mostly clay. Mm-hmm. So we put, um, uh, what do you call the fabric, the landscape fabric mm-hmm. underneath and put soil on top and before we laid the sod. Okay. Uh, but it's, it, it was beautiful for, for a while, but now it's all yellow. It's like hay. And I was wondering if there was a treatment that we should um, apply before, you know, the snow? Or Well, tell me, um, so, okay, so when you decided that it was time to do a new lawn, did you actually pull out those big ugly weeds or did you just go in over top of them like mow them down and then lay the fabric right on top yeah we pulled out as much as we could mm-hmm. we actually got a tiller mm-hmm. uh, and we you know we chopped we, everything all we up quite a bit of work yes okay now tell me the then you put fabric down and then the, did the sod go directly on top of the fabric or did you put some soil before you put the fab the um sod i can hardly hear you here yeah it is a bit of a you know um, we've got a bad line, bad line. uh so what we'll do, oh, what, what's Grace suggesting? We switch, uh, switch a line, can we? Okay, let's try switching a line here and see if we can get a better uh, reading on things because we want uh, Kate to hear exactly what you're, uh, you're about to suggest. Okay. Okay, okay there. Is that better, uh, Kate? Much better. Oh, there we go. Okay. Thank you. All right, so, Kate, just a quick question. Did the sod go directly onto the fabric or did you put soil before you put the sod? We put the soil before. Okay, like so it so went sort of fabric, soil, and then sod. Yes. And this was back in July or June or... Uh, around June, yes, mid-June. Okay, all right, so, um, and it looked good, but all of a sudden now it's yellowed in patches or generally in, in uh, everywhere or... Um, I'd say mostly in patches, but we also did the boulevard. Mm-hmm. And the boulevard is, is where it's really bad. Okay, and is the boulevard under trees? Oh, sorry, a boulevard uh, just um, uh, the street. Mm-hmm. You know, we have the lawn, yeah. sure. and then it's the front lawn. Yeah, and then probably you have a sidewalk and then a boulevard. Right, the sidewalk boulevard. But is there a tree out on the boulevard, like a there city is, tree? Yes. Yeah, okay, so you're in under a tree with that sod when you did the sodding. Yes, okay, but t- it's a fairly new tree, young tree. Oh, okay. Okay, so tell you what, Kate, I suggest that you hang up the phone and okay. then turn your radio back up, and then what I'm going to do is, is just sort of run over what I think might be happening there. Excellent. And you can scribble some quick notes to yourself and okay. figure out best uh, best moving forward Thank uh, you suggestions. So much. You're welcome. Thanks, Thank Kate. you for joining us from Waterloo. Uh, the 
uh, uh, they're huge in the innovative uh, stuff with digital rim, rim, rim technology, yeah, they, uh, research in motion. Yes, down and there. what do they call it? They call it um, IT. I no, no I IT. <laughs> what? Listen to both of us going. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's the Silicon Valley North? Okay, there you go. There, there you go. All right. Uh, okay, I, Kate. I think we're into the Napa Valley North here exactly. this morning. <laughs> I think we better get back to lawns. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So. Okay, so Kate, a couple of things come to mind. <clears throat> Number one, I probably wouldn't have used landscape fabric at all when it comes to planting a lawn. The there's really no. I mean, it would have cost you extra money. It would have cost you extra work to do it. Did it? Is it going to make a difference? Remember, all landscape fabric does is it helps stop weeds from coming up from below the fabric. Seeds that blow in from the neighborhood, et cetera, will still grow, um, you know, dandelions, mm-hmm. et cetera. So it's not like it eliminates weeds. And like I said, it's an extra cost. It was definitely an extra job for you to lay that in there. So and, and the thing with fabric is it can kind of get all bunched up and you, you can have issues when you go to do some digging at some point and pieces of the fabric start coming up and mm-hmm. it looks really silly. So that's I always find fabric can be a bit of a pain that way. However, it's there now. It shouldn't be a problem. Fabric allows the moisture to get through. It should stop weeds from coming up. If you're seeing yellow patches late in the season, we right away suspect uh, insects because the remember what happens with the little grubs is that the grub eggs are laid back in early summer. They uh, ripen in the ground for six to eight weeks, depending on the weather, and they hatch often early August, but sometimes as late as late August. Those little tiny, tiny baby grub eggs are always in a group, and as soon as they all hatch and start chewing away, you will start to see yellow patches that look very much like a dog has peed on your lawn, and there's a yellow starts like the size of a toonie, and then that patch starts to grow bigger and bigger as the grubs get bigger and bigger and start to move out Uh from the center. So if you're suspecting, like if it's real yellow, some real yellow patches and you suspect grubs, tug on some of these yellow blades of grass. And if they come up with no roots attached, again, that's a real good indicator that something has chewed the roots from below. And we, like I say, we suspect that that's the problem. And we usually use nematodes in the late summer and we put those on the lawn. Then the nematode eggs will hatch and attack the grubs and annihilate most of them. Maybe not all of them, but enough to to bring the population down Mm -hmm. so your lawn can get green again. For now, the main thing, if you didn't fall fertilize, do it. It's not too late. You can still put fall fertilizer onto your lawn, and I would recommend it. It's the most important fertilizer of the entire year. Helps your lawn get ready for winter and be ready to go next spring. Helps harden it off. Helps mm-hmm. it be resistant to diseases and, and sort of some of the crazy things that happen in winter. So fall fertilizer is important. Do not even attempt to do anything with grubs now. It's too late. It's too cold. Um, the eggs won't hatch. You'll just waste your time. Um, and certainly raking in the spring, I probably wouldn't do a lot of raking right now. You've probably raked your leaves, I would assume. Um, and, you know, we do a final mowing. We can still do that. We've got some mm-hmm. mild temperatures yep. coming. So final mowing, final fertilizing. Let it be in spring. You're going to rake, 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 and you're going to rake out dead stuff then. Then you're going to what we call top dress and overseed. So you're going to lay in more, a little more soil. Uh, it's going to be a good quality triple mix, half inch or so of soil all over the lawn and overseed. And that's going to be an ongoing thing for all of us. Every spring, every fall, top dress and overseed. Keep our lawns 
fat and healthy and lush, and the weeds won't get in there. And if the odd grub gets in there, it won't be a big deal. We can, you know, see it coming and, and control it pretty quickly. Okay. That's my best suggestion. You, If your lawn d- looked good, it, it may be just stressed for a couple of reasons. One is, obviously, tree roots and that sort of thing. Fertilizer can help. And, of course, uh, looking after removing that the dead stuff next spring and replacing with good quality seed. Excellent, Charlie. Alrighty. Oh, you've done it again. No, oh, thank you. That's for all you. off the top of her noggin, too, folks. She's not reading this. Not like me. I'm looking at the clock. I'm going nine, two, three. <laughs> it's nine twenty-three here at AM seven forty. Frank Proctor, along with Charlie Dobbin, will be back to talk to Doris in Oakville in just a moment. Through rainy days and long droughts, infestations, and early frost, she's the one constant in your garden. You're listening to the AM seven forty Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Frank and Charlie, delighted to be with you here this Saturday morning, exactly. November 20th, mm-hmm. as we get kind of ready for now the Christmas season is really upon us. Uh, well, you maybe your Christmas season is upon you. I haven't put my roses to bed yet. Well, I know Doris out in Oakville has Christmas on her oh, mind. Oh, so she Yeah. <laughs> she got a little prickly subject to deal with here. Cactus, Christmas cactus. Hello there, Doris. Hi. Good morning, Doris. Uh, just Good let's... morning. I enjoy your show very much. Thank you. Let's just make sure Frank understands that Christmas cactus is not prickly. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, oh, that's dear. true. No, <laughs> and I've had uh, two of them, and they've been outside all summer. Mm-hmm. And I brought them in, and they just bloomed like crazy. Too mm-hmm. soon for Christmas. I know. <laughs> but anyhow, they're just coming to the close, mm-hmm. but there's still little buds. Oh, on some, mm-hmm. on both of, both of the plants, so I'm sure I'll get a few more. But I just wondered, after the fact, what I what I do, how do I care for them? Okay, it's a great question, actually. Um, and, and it's funny you, you ask this question, because, you know, it is called Christmas cactus, and as happens to so many of us, they do bloom before Christmas. Yeah. So if, if you want to try and hold off the buds that are still there, and try and hold them on the plant so that it, they'll open for Christmas, all you need to do is put that plant in a cooler location. Oh, really? If you have, you know, sometimes we have like a, an unheated porch or, a, you know, some spot in, the, in our homes that's really, you know, multi-degrees cooler than room temperature. And that's the place to keep your Christmas cactus if you can, just to slow down those buds and then bring it into the regular living room for, for Christmas. Yeah, and, and get they're on the windowsill, which faces the... Um, south, I bet. Southeast. Yeah, good. Um, nice and bright. So it's like a corner window. You Perfect. Know? So I'd take them off that. Well, um, if you were going to, like I said, only if you want to try and slow down and okay. hold those buds, okay. if you have a cooler spot. Okay. Otherwise, leave them where they are. Enjoy the, the, the uh, flowering. When the buds are all finished up, what's going to happen is that the plant is going to need to rest. So while it's flowering now, if you wanted to fertilize it once, just with an all-purpose, like a miracle Grow type fertilizer, Mm -hmm. that would be fine. And remember, we're not watering that often, but when they are flowering, you're watering enough so that they they dry out, but they don't get to the desert-type bone dry. They're quite dry, but you give them a nice water, keep them nice and what we call turgid or or full of moisture, so that there could be fertilizer in that watering. Once those flowers are done, though, the plant needs a rest. So no fertilizer, and you're going to cut back on your watering. You're going to allow it to really dry down between waterings. Um, so when I do go put, put it outside in the next, next year, mm-hmm. can I cut the leaves down? Definitely. 
Okay. Just to shape it, because you'll yes. find they get very top-heavy. Oh, they do. And they often tend to be a little one-sided, too. So yeah, you're right about that. <laughs> top-heavy and one-sided, so they're very easy for them to flip sideways off the windowsill or window ledge, and so that can be a problem. Okay. So, um, And so you're absolutely right, and when we're dry, like really allowing them to dry out, they're even more top-heavy because the soil becomes so dry. Yeah. So be careful with that. I, lo- I always like to have them in a nice, heavy clay pot just oh. to try and keep them a little more bottom-heavy if I can. Oh, okay. But, yeah, absolutely. So for the next few months, once they're done flowering, we let them rest. Mm -hmm. We water very sparingly. But, of course, leave them in that nice sunny window. Don't worry about moving them away for the winter. And come about February, March, you'll start picking up with your watering. Water a little more often. It's going to be using the water more. It's going to start to grow. You're going to see all kinds of new growth come early spring. Once we're frost-free, they're outside again. You can even do your trimming back in March. Okay. Uh, because that's, and you don't even need to use scissors to trim Christmas cactus. You can just break off the yes. pieces. Yes, they break easy. And they very easily will root if you want to start some more sometimes plants. Sometimes they'll, they'll bloom again. That's right. That's right. If they're happy enough, they'll just sometimes just keep blooming on and off all winter. And so. is it true what they say? I have heard that if you put them close together, they're even, they even seem to flourish more. Like maybe they're male and female. I don't know. <laughs> <But> <laughs> Play a little romantic music. You never know what's going to happen, right? <laughs> well, I, you're right, and I'm not sure why they do better. Whether there's some little, you know, hidden uh, signals going back and forth between them, or if it's something just as simple as they're sharing each other's humidity. And that can be a good thing because they are tropical plants. They do naturally grow in the forest. And so they do need a certain amount of humidity that we don't find in our Mm. homes in the winter. So whenever you group your plants, you'll often find they'll do better. Okay. 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 Thank you, Doris. And maybe try that, you know, put on a little record of uh, dancing in the dark. (laughs) Yeah, get some champagne. (laughs) (laughs) And I have another question, but I'll call another time. Bless your heart. (laughs) Thank you so much, Doris. Doris. Uh, See, I I forgot my mantra this morning. But Doris knows it. Yes. Call early, call often. One question per call. <laughs> it is 9.30 right on the button. I better repeat the phone numbers here for Charlie Doppin's Garden Show. It's 416-360-0740. Anyone in Toronto, but anywhere else in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And just before I go to our next call, you had a little a note to pass along here? Exactly. I just wanted to uh, give everybody an update. We did have a call last week from Jean in Dundas, mm-hmm. and she asked, why is it my pine tree sometimes has lots and lots of pine cones, and then, for example, this year, had she said no pine cones at all, like zero. Mm-hmm. So zero to lots, how come? Well, good question. I didn't have a quick answer off the top of my head, so I said I'd check it out. Well, honestly, you know, I... In my searching, I didn't find anything amazing on the web. I went to a bunch of my books. I didn't find anything amazing in my books. So I went to one of my dear friends, and uh, he he calls himself, you know, Marilyn, who does the show before. She's the the wardrobe doctor. Well, my, my good friend... Don Voorhees is the he's the tree doctor, uh-huh. and uh, he works at a Whitby. Actually, he may even be retired now, but he's he knows everything. He's just so amazing. So, and I know him well from Canada Blooms because he's been a volunteer at Canada Blooms for years. And I sent him an email. I go, okay, Don, you, you know, Doctor Don, give me a help out here. Yeah. yeah, you're you're my bottom line. Why do some pine you know pine trees sometimes have lots of pine cones yeah. and sometimes not so much? So he said. Um, He said that he found that when spruce, fir, and pines produce an abundance of cones, this is an indication of stress. 
Evergreens will anticipate trouble, or they may be in decline and begin to produce offspring seeds to carry on the species in the event that the tree trouble does not that the tree in trouble does not survive. I'm quoting from his email here. Stress could be weather related, drought, flooding. Some do not like their f- like. Some do not like their feet wet for prolonged periods. Soil conditions can differ in trees located in the same vicinity. Some trees are planted where their roots are confined. As time passes, like me, they lose their perkiness. <laughs> Don, I don't believe that for a minute. He's like the perkiest guy you'd ever meet. <clears throat> a tree improperly planted may show stress from girdling roots and in the event the burlap or plastic string was tied around the main stem and not loosened at planting time approximately eight years later the tree will lose color needles and poop out and then he said now you know everything i know Um, well there you are well there you go so what he's done is he's addressed why they might produce a lot of cones that it's a response to stress so he hasn't really addressed the question of why they don't produce many cones which is exactly what i was having difficulty Mm -hmm. sort of answering for jean so she indicated that there was lots of cones in the summer of 2009 but very few in 2010 i'd say check the health on the tree could it be that in 2009 it was responding to stress stress and in 2010 it's given up the ghost and is is deteriorating or did it put all its energy into all that seed formation in 09 and virtually had no energy left to do a lot of seed formation in so 10. that could be the similar answer really that's right and yeah. it will just get right back on a track and we do see that we certainly see cycles in flowering yeah. and flowering and seed production fruit production in all our plants so it could just be that simple as well that it's just the cycle of life but do definitely check the health of the tree make sure that it's not suffering pine trees should be fairly simple to see always want nice green tips i like his terminology they don't like to get their feet wet that's you know, right. and I immediately thought, well, gee, try a little absorbing junior, but no, that no, wouldn't no. work at all. Not, not at all. all. No. And rubber boots don't uh, help So that's either. why I'm the sous chef, folks. Mm-hmm. Okay. Undergardener <laughs> Supreme. That's you. Nine thirty-three here at AM seven forty. As we say hi to Val in Scarborough. Good morning, Val. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. Thank you for the lovely program, Charlie, as usual. Thanks. And um, the the subject is poinsettia. Mm-hmm. Um, I have three poinsettia plants that I've brought in from the garden, of course, because this is not poinsettia weather, obviously. (laughs) And now they are starting to have red leaves. Uh, Will I get bloom for Christmas, do you think? Oh, lovely. No, what it is is um, keep in mind that the red leaves are just that, red leaves. I know, yes. And the blooms are not something that we get that excited about with the poinsettia because they're those little, tiny, tiny, little yellow yellow balls, really, in the center of of the growing tips. Right. Now, um... You may. You may get some flowers. The um, You likely will. The red is telling you that the plant is getting the right conditions t- for the leaves to turn red. Oh, that's good. It's which in the south is window downstairs, and it faces south, and the sun comes into it. And, uh, I mean, I know the stores are chock full of poinsettia, but it's so much more fun when you do your, your own thing, you know. That's right. <laughs> Color them up. Well, so what they need is just what you're giving them, lots of bright light yes. uh, during the day, but yes. they also need complete darkness well, it for is 12 hours. At night. At yes, night. I pull the blind down and they're downstairs, so they get that. So I guess they're happy. That's right. And I mean, we're at that, per- it's kind of, that's our natural light right now. The, yeah. We're dark outside by six o'clock at night and we're sun is coming up by six o'clock in the morning. And so it, even in the natural world, of light and dark they're yeah. getting the right conditions as long as there's 
there's no ambient light getting on them during the night. Like, don't no, go. Be- nothing goes on them. Yeah, either. don't go down the basement to no, grab a beer out of the I fridge promise. or anything. <laughs> <laughs> or you oh, do. Heavens forbid. Go in the dark. <laughs> Not even with a flashlight, because that even that little tiny bit of light will will just completely cancel out the twelve hour of darkness. I see. Well, thank you very much, Charlie. <laughs> I'm, I'm really enjoying your show. As Good stuff. Thanks, Val. Thank Take care of Scarborough Forest. Nine thirty six. The time here on a Saturday morning. As we connect with Dave, I uh, don't know where you're calling from, Dave. Where, where, where are you located? Morning. Good morning. morning. Morning to you both. I'm calling from Oakville as well. All right. Uh, the previous caller. Um, my lawn front and rear this year was uh, totally devastated, um, I guess, by skunks or raccoons mm-hmm. uh, after grubs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they look like they've been in the sod business. My lawns have been dug and rolled up. Uh, it's just unbelievable. It's amazing now, what they do. I, eh? I have a lawn company that comes in, and uh, this year they gave me three treatments of the Merit Grub Program, mm-hmm. but this didn't help whatsoever. Hmm. And I'm wondering if there's any suggestions. I'm obviously not thinking of rehiring them for next year. No, exactly. Do you know when they treated with Merit? Um, well, one time they treated with Merit was in uh, uh, early October. Uh, we had just got back from Florida, and they treated it three days prior, mm-hmm. without our knowledge, of course. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that treatment never got watered in. Right. So mm-hmm. I made a complaint. Uh, they came back out, mm-hmm. um, retreated it, uh, watered it in, both front and rear, uh, as I was instructed to do. Uh-huh. This didn't work as, uh, as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, they came out for a third time, oh. and believe me, my lawn is just—it's uh, devastated front and rear. Oh yeah, they just said once they discover something edible in there, you every day, every morning, you can go out and put the lawn back in order, and every morning you got to keep doing it because every it's night terrible. Uh, they just chew it all up for you. My neighbors' front, and, uh, both sides, don't do anything to their lawns. No lawn treatment. Uh, their lawns are fine, but wouldn't you know? Huh? About every third or fifth house on the street has been. Ravaged. Wow. Yeah. I hate that. It's, yeah. it's always the guy that lo- like cares for his lawn that seems to get, you know, just attacked. Yeah, well, this is the case. So yeah. I don't know if you have any suggestions for <clears throat> for next year. I just don't know what to say or do about it. But I will not hire the lawn company back. No, I would I would suggest exactly. They, if you were not satisfied, then you definitely don't want to yeah. carry on with that company. Now, the merit, I think, should have gone on early, gone onto the lawn before October. I believe the merit should have been going on back September or August to be effective. So that's one thing that it it can't be effective. The the grubs had too much chance to eat establish and themselves get yeah. big because that's what happens they're, yeah. they're like the size of a head of a pin when they yeah. when the little eggs hatch and that's yeah. back this year everything was ahead of schedule so they were uh, hatching in early august um, by yeah. october they were you know two inches long and their skin is is quite a bit toughened up and a good juicy uh, meal for the uh, oh you know it oh yeah you know it yeah. they fattened up a whole bunch of creatures in your neighborhood yeah. so what you'll have to do and as you recognize it's going to be you know you have to kind of wait in the spring you're going to either hire or yourself you'll go out there and you'll get the lawn back in order it'll be raking and leveling exactly whether it's seeding or sodding one way or the other you'll get it get it back in order um now i a couple of things to watch for do you go away to florida every summer like will you be is Uh, that what happens we go in may this year we uh rescheduled once uh the last week of september first week of october so we were home all summer okay because the way it works the grubs um 
as you know, they're, they, they start as grubs, then they uh, pupate, and there's little cocoons under the soil. And yep. then when they emerge, they emerge as beetles. And uh, we know them as June beetles. June uh, bugs. Yeah, June bugs, the things that yep. bang into us uh, on, in the nighttime when the lights are on, bang on the screen doors. So what they do is they, they fly in. This year, again, everything was early, so it was yep. May when the June yep. bugs and beetles were emerging. <clears throat> Excuse me. They fly up, and they party all night in the trees. They yep. chew on the leaves, they copulate in the trees, and then the okay. females drop straight down and lay their eggs directly okay. below the canopy of the trees. Uh-huh. So, or they will also fly directly down from the eave of the house. So okay. whenever you have grubs, or the place to always watch is directly below something that's above at least 10 feet tall. So not a six-foot fence, but it's got to be higher than a six-foot fence. It's going to be a tree canopy or the eaves of your house. And so you st- that's where you first will always see the grub damage is Even straight down. Even if plants around the base of the tree, th- th- this won't hurt the plants. It, well, they will lay their eggs at the base of plants, and the grubs will do the same thing. <clears throat> but you won't find that nearly as often in gardens as you will in lawns, because lawns yeah. is that nice wide open space. So okay. it's just really an interesting point to, that you kind of don't have to watch your entire lawn in early August, late July for any of this damage. You just need to really concentrate on areas that are directly below a tree drip line or the eave of the house. You're absolutely right. The uh, backyard and the front yard are right below maple trees. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll be darned. Yeah, it's the one section in the back, and believe me, uh, you think that we're digging a grave. (laughs) Oh, man. The front yard, I have a large it's it's totally dead. The grass is all dead. Yeah, yeah. So that well, that can be resilient. May come back in the spring, but mm-hmm. uh, it's going to take some work. It is going to take some work, and and yeah. do get on it in the spring because it actually you're better to get some good grass seed out there. You know, like yeah. you were mm-hmm. saying, top dressing mm-hmm. and get the seed out before a lot of weed seeds can blow in and take advantage of that bare earth. Thank you. Thank okay. you both very much. Great show. Uh, well thank you, Dave. Nice well, you. thank you, and good luck with those horrible skunks and raccoons. Yeah, thank you very much. That's, now, that's amazing. See, what you don't learn listening to Charlie Dobbins' garden show, those little beggars are up there making love in the trees or the eaves. No. It's their version of the High Mile Club, you know, and, <laughs> well, I just, I'm amazed. <laughs> I am absolutely amazed. It is <laughs> 9.42 here at AM 740, the Charlie Dobbin Garden Show. We'll return after we recover our composure after these words. Transplanting good ideas from one gardener to another. This is the AM 740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Well, how about that? 9.44 and... uh we're all limbered up here. We are. After laughing so hard well, I know. at your Mile High Club, we just <laughs> got a good belly laugh, which is all about being able to, you know, laugh and jiggle and, <laughs> and giggle. I, you, and you do that very well. Thank you very much. And uh, <laughs> thank you very much. I sound like Elvis Presley. <laughs> the, uh, I think we're both going to leave the building very shortly. We're going to be thrown out. But you know what? I did go to the Sierra Sill website recently. Yes. Yes. Sierra Sill is a product, which is it's a nutrition, not nutritional. Mm-hmm. It's a mineral supplement. Um, but their corporate vision is great. They, you know what? We've had Michael Bentley on the show. Yeah. He's the uh, president of Sierra Sill and very nice guy. And the vi- their corporate vision kind of sums up who he is. And you've met him too, Frank. Yep. The vision of Sierra Sill is to help seniors become more independent, give athletes a competitive edge, and increase quality of life for all of our customers. Founded in 2003 to provide a proprietary mineral supplement, 
Sierrasil, Sierrasil Health Incorporated, strives to provide excellent customer service, which is absolutely true. They're wonderful people with the customer service, so don't hesitate to give them a call, and I will give you the number. They are ethical in their relationships, and they support health claims with real science. Well, there you go. So there Can't you go. ask more than that. No. So one eight seven seven joint 14 to speak to a real live customer service representative who can answer any of your questions and about the product. They, they, they guarantee the product. That's correct. That's neat. Well, I guarantee that June is on the line from Kitchener going, okay, okay, <laughs> how about me? All right, June, it's your turn here on The Garden Show. Good morning. Thank you very much. This is the first time I've heard your show. Oh, oh really? Oh, welcome. It's amazing that you started with calla lilies because that's what my question is. Excellent. Well, there you go ahead. I uh, have nine calla lily bulbs, mm-hmm. and in uh, late summer, they looked like they were just really droopy. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, time to take them in. When I started digging out the bulbs, I realized that the reason they were drooping was six of them had a cone inside the flower. A cone. And uh, I was told that uh, I should, each one of those cones, uh, they're like little, they look almost like pine cones, only they're like a little bubble. Uh-huh. That each cone, one of those cones had seeds in That's it. That's right, a seed pod, yep. And that uh, I, if I wanted to delay the planting, I should put them in a cool, dark place, which I did. Mm-hmm. And my question is, when do I bring them out and plant them? Mm, those little seeds. Well, okay, so the pods obviously ripened up. Yes. Did you open the pods, or are they just? Did you leave them inside the little fleshy? I I left it just inside the uh, the leaf. Okay, and so and you put them in a cool, dark spot. Are they in uh, wrapped in newspaper, or are they in a jar or a plastic bag? Or? Uh, they're wrapped in tissue paper. Tissue paper. Okay. So what I would do is I would go to... Have you looked at, at them lately? What do they look like? Are they all kind of wizened up and withered up and dry? Yes, I've checked them and they're going a little bit brownish. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what I would do is I would open up the little f- fleshy brownish um, fruit. Yes. Expose the seeds. Now the seeds, assuming that they are mature and ripe, can actually be planted any time. They... Callas do not need... Because they're a tropical plant... Uh, they don't need a, a frozen, win- like, long winter the way so many of our woody trees and shrubs do in order to propagate the seeds. We have to, you know, leave them outside all winter or stick them in the freezer for 12 or 15 weeks. But the callas should grow. Um, and, and basically what I would do, now I'm, I am saying this off the top of my head, if there's anything specific I'm missing, I will give you an update for next week. But generally speaking, I would, using a nice, clean, sterile potting soil mix, or I should say seeding mix, I would sow the seeds. Um, now, they're going to very, very lightly cover them with soil. It's going to be a, just a fine, fine layer of soil on top. Of course, moist soil. You're going to put either a plastic wrap or a hood over top of the, the flat or the, the planting tray that you've used to okay. keep it a moist environment. And um, I would, it's a warmth factor more than anything. Sometimes I'll put a heating pad underneath my seed starting tray just to heat up the soil from below. Other times I'll, if there's room, put it up on top of the fridge because the, there's not, no better spot than a nice warm spot sitting right up on top of your fridge to just leave the seed tray there. Mist with water every couple of days. Just make sure it stays moist. You know, you don't want to drown the whole thing, but you want to keep it moist. And you should expect to see some sprouts. It's going to take a number of weeks, but you should expect to see some sprouts within, you know, three, four weeks. And like I say, uh, and, and then, of course, it's just a matter of growing them on and up into bigger and bigger plants. And they'll be ready to go outside next spring once we're frost free. 
Okay. All right. But yeah. I will, if there's anything that I've left out that's specific to Kala's, I will update everybody next week on that. Okay. Um, and uh, so do tune in again next week. We're every Saturday at 9. We're here. <laughs> okay. Thank Th- you, June. Oh, thank you very much. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for joining the show. Thanks first for time, calling. First yeah. time caller. Listener. Well, next week will be the second. Well, that's <laughs> great. Thank you very much. Okay. Frank Proctor along with Charlie Duffin. It's the Garden Show. We're at uh, 9.50, and we'll be back to talk to Judy in Toronto in just a moment. Getting to the root of a growing dilemma. This is the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And the sous chef, Frank Proctor, delighted to be here with you on this Saturday, November 20th, as we get along to uh, Judy in Toronto. Hi, Judy. Good morning. Good morning, um, Charlie and Frank. Uh, Can you tell me, I just bought a a menu rose yesterday. Um, how long can I keep it in um, in the house? I got it facing in the uh, east side window in the kitchen. Do you have a brighter window by any chance, like yes. a western? Yes, I do. The trick with roses, and you're right, you do want to keep that inside. It's There's two kinds of mini roses. There's little ones that we buy often in the grocery store, and they are tender little roses. They are not hardy to go outside ever, or sorry, hardy to be outside over the winter. Mm-hmm. Now then, there are some other mini roses that are hardy enough to leave outside. If there's a tag inside the rose, it will tell you uh, whether it was grown in Canada or grown in the States and whether it can go outside or not. Is there a tag at all in it? A little um, little uh, identification uh, stick? Hello? Hi, Judy. Is there any kind of identification? Yes, there is a tag. Okay. I haven't read it yet. <laughs> okay. So the tag will tell you whether it's going to be something that you can put outside next spring mm-hmm. in a real sunny location and then leave it out there with the intention of having it survive the, win- the following winter. Mm-hmm. For now, you're not obviously going anywhere with it. It stays inside your house. Brightest possible spot you can put it. Um, the brighter, the better. And you are going to water it when it's dry. You're not going to let it get desert dry, but at the same time, you do not want to keep it wet. Yes. It's, a, it's one of those things. Like once it starts, let us let it dry down between waterings. Mm-hmm. Always water with room temperature water that has sat out for at least 24 hours. Mm-hmm. All right. And do fertilize that while it's flowering about once every two to three weeks with just a, a general flowering houseplant fertilizer, something like miracle Grow works fine. Mm. Um, uh, what, what about 2020? 2020 is fine. Uh-huh. Yep. So anyway, you say um, the kitchen is quite bright. It's a large window. Okay. So should I leave it there, or you say? Um, well, kitchen. I have a larger window that is facing south. Mm-hmm. Has a lot of sun in it. Mm-hmm. But um, so, what you saying? Put it in a sunny uh, window. South is brighter than east. So south would be the, the preferred window, mm-hmm. but I recognize that your kitchen is probably a place where you spend a lot of time, and you probably want to enjoy this little rose. Yeah. So I can understand that it might be very nice for you to ha- keep it where you're going to see it on a consistent basis. So if it works better for you to keep it in the east window, do so. Make sure that there are no blinds closed or shears or anything like that. No. It's getting maximum light. And just remember to turn the pot 90 degrees every couple of days just to oh. keep it balanced. So, um, uh, should I fertilize it now or uh, wait a little while? 
I would fertilize it next time it's time to water it. And you'll know it's time to water by feeling the soil and make sure you get the soil. You, you know, it starts to feel dry on the top, yeah. but it's still a little bit spongy. Yeah. All right. Thanks very much, Charlie. Thank You're you. Very Thank you, Judy. Bye-bye. Thanks. And I do believe we have time for one more call here if we get along to Joan in Brantford. Hey, good morning, Joan. Yeah, good morning, Charlie and Frank. Uh, we have an outdoor hibiscus, which we have brought in. And right now it's in our sunroom which uh, faces uh, south. Mm -hmm. Uh, Can we put it in a north window for uh, the winter? Because it still has blooms on it. Uh, Okay, so this is kind of a bit like the mini rose question. It depends what you want to do. The hibiscus will bloom the most and grow the most and certainly be the happiest and fattest and lushest of all in the brightest spot possible. So that would be your south window. Correct. However, if you aren't going to be able to enjoy it in the south and you're going to be able to enjoy it more in the north, you could move it to the north window. Keep in mind, though, the buds are, you're going to lose leaves faster. The, some buds will probably drop as a pr- part of the process just of the lower light levels, and uh, you are, it's going to use less water. So it's one of those, you know, cost-benefit things. It, 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 it certainly can stay alive in a north window, but it is going to slow down quite a bit more in its growth and in its water requirements, and do not fertilize all winter. Right. Okay, fine. And so okay. thank you very much, because right now it's, you know, so branchy, and it's taking up a lot of room. Uh, why we didn't know whether, you know, if we moved it, but I guess that if we do move it, we won't be able to enjoy it as much as if it was in the south window. Well, and keep in mind that if it is big and branchy, which often happens, they grow so much outside in the summer, you are going to need to cut it back or you're going to want to cut it back sooner than later. What stops us from cutting it back now is that you'll be cutting off all the buds, right? You know, you don't want to do that. Right. So if you have some branches that slowly but surely the buds have opened, the flowers have, have appeared and dropped, you know, finished and dropped. So you have some branches that there are no buds on them. Get your, have your pruners handy, and over a process, it might take you two weeks, three weeks to do this. Over a process of a couple of weeks, don't hesitate to start to to cut that back as you can, as the buds are finished. All right. It's going to look a little silly when you do it because it'll be a little lopsided. You can't do all your pruning in one day. Uh, or the alternative is just leave it alone, work around it for the entire winter, and then give it a real hard all-around pruning uh, come March or late February. Okay, fine. So thanks very much for your help. You're welcome. Thank thanks you, for Ray. joining the show, Joan from Brantford. And, uh, gee, are we, uh, do we have time, do you think? Uh, well, let's see how quickly okay. we can speak right. to Lloyd. Lloyd, Lloyd has uh, a question for us uh, from Streetsville. Good morning, Lloyd. We'll try and squeeze you in here. Morning. How are you, Frank? Good, thank you. Morning. Remember, remember us? <laughs> I do. The old bus? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. What's your question there, Lloyd? Uh, I've got two sets of grapes out in front, the small uh, grapes. What kind of fertilizer should I put on them? Well, in the spring, you yeah. should be putting on, um, actually, okay, so, and you're trying to grow these grapes for the fruit, I assume? Well, they've been there for a long time. Okay. You want to fertilize them. Right. Well, then you could go with something very all-purpose, like a 20-20-20. 2020. Or you could go with something that's more of a flowering plant fertilizer, like a 15-30-15, which will encourage flowers and fruit. And you definitely will do that in the spring, once the growth starts. Yes. Yes, and don't hesitate to cut them back as well. Grapes always need a certain amount of pruning to keep them under control, and it's very invigorating to the plant. Yes, I prune them back. Uh, when, when, uh, spring or the summer, should you plant or uh, cut them back? Spring. Spring. Yep. 
early, early before in the spring, the before off. the buds, exactly. Okay. Good Sounds like you knew all that thanks, stuff in Lloyd. advance, Lloyd. Thank, thanks very much for calling into the Our Charlie Dobbin Garden Show. Streetsville. Okay. Just, Bye-bye. Yeah, I was care. at the Streetsville Horticultural Society. I told you That's last right. week. Well, That's right. Was it last week? The week before. Yeah. I don't we, think Lloyd's a member, though. I think he should probably join, up, join Lloyd. Yeah. the Streetsville Horticultural Society. They are one happening pe- group of people, I'll tell you. <laughs> There's a big, they're a big group, and they get involved in a lot of stuff. Well, we've got a lot of stuff to quickly mention. We've got one minute left to go. Okay, number one. Yes. Happy Thanksgiving to all of our American listeners, and big hello to Cindy Zach. Exactly. I'm sure she's listening. Thursday is Thanksgiving for the Americans, and of course we've had so we our turkey. All day long, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so happy turkey and pumpkin pie to everybody in the United States on Thursday. Of course, it goes without saying that uh, big hugs and best wishes to Grace, who we're going to miss incredibly. She's been a real, a real charmer and a, and a wonderful smiling face to work with. But for the good last old Dave is years. coming into. Dave slide is, into that chair. Dave is yeah. sliding in, and Dave is just like Grace, a young person in need of gardening advice. <laughs> well, and, we'll uh, fix him up. We, exactly. <laughs> we were discussing this last weekend. So he has a lot to learn, and we will be teaching him, won't we, Frank? Yes, yes we will. Yes, we will. <laughs> and we'll plant our feet back in the studios here next week. We will. The Garden Show. Stay and, tuned, of course, for uh, the Dave's Corner Garage coming up. And then, of course, you're on after that. Yes, 11 o'clock. I'll be back in here, and uh, lots of great music, a lot of great conversation. Good stuff. Well, thanks so much for all your help, Frank. Thanks, Charlie. Thanks again, Grace. And we'll see you all next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.